Welcome to another episode of Wealthy Teachers with your co-host Derek Padilla here. And Lindsay. Yay. Padilla. <laughs> also Padilla. Also Padilla. Um, so That's this episode... Fault. Yes, it's true. Apologies, everyone. What was your maiden name before we get into oh, content? Oh, gosh, never mind. We shouldn't even talk about that. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Just kidding. So we're continuing with the beta framework. We've talked about the blueprint for B, the enroll phase is E. Now we're in the T phase, which is mine and Lindsay's favorites, which is teach. So we yeah. are here to discuss teaching in your beta course. We'll try not to make it three hours. No, Lizzie, <laughs> no we like Lizzie bulleted can, this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Keeping it tight. Uh, Lindsay can definitely go on for hours about this phase. But um, yeah, Lindsay, what, what's your overview of teaching in the beta course? Yeah. So the favorite part about, or for me, my favorite part about the beta process is the teaching part. And it's funny because it's like, literally teaching. That's the funny part. I think when people think of online courses right now, they think the teaching is the that like actual making of the video where I'm like, well, that's like one part of teaching. That's like the delivery of the information. But teaching to me is bigger than just like I stand up and lecture. There's so many other things happening in a classroom, right? So what's funny is I think the way we thought online courses had to be was you know, as you're gathering from our pre previous episodes and this whole process as a whole is like, oh, it's like you create the course content once and then like it's done and it's perfect and it's fine. And then like you have a million students. So that's not the that's, case, that's, right? And it's not, not the how it best happens. way right, to right, do right. it. Yeah. So um, this is the actual act of teaching and the recognition that it is more fluid. Like you could pre-record every word you're going to say. You could practice it a million times, but like there's nothing like standing in front of your students and like actually delivering. So we in the beta process kind of recreated that and brought it back to its essence where the teaching isn't a video. The teaching is like you actually hosting a live workshop. So in the beta process, the teaching happens live. And it's a very integral step to the process because the co-creation piece that we've talked about, right? We've talked about the Mac, how it's a minimum awesome course and it's an amazing experience because students get to witness you teaching it live and you can answer questions on the fly. So that is really valuable uh, for the student. But there's also this phase of you're not trying to guess what they need help with ahead of time and creating this perfect content that then you can't really go back and fix or you could, but it would just take so much effort. So you're running it live, you're hosting, I, the best way to put it is like live workshops, and you're not pre-recording anything, and you're not even really creating any fancy worksheets or anything like that. You're just showing up live and um, kind of mapping out really a lecture, an outline of what you would teach live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's not, um, you're not casting something in stone. You don't want to come like very rigid and structured. This is very loose, very open, very much a conversation as opposed to a one way, you know, uh, standing in front of a microphone lecturing people. So we talk about in the education space being the guide on the side rather than the sage on the stage, which is kind of a overused term that teachers might scoff at. But it's uh, when you first time you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. That's exactly what you want to be as a teacher, not this sage that's um i guess just all knowing the, yeah the sermon from above right that, so this yeah. is a very much an 
organic process of learning for your students, but also you learning what your students need and what they actually want to learn at different phases that you maybe took a guess at, but this just um, really helps you hone in on, on what's important to the students at a particular phase. Yeah. And I think that's the key, right? You meet them where they're at. I think <laughs> what happens in this space is like the first big thing is picking your course topic and it's like, what do they want? Right. But then they have to like buy it, which is really scary also. And it's like, they need to, you know, have a problem that they want solved and then that they would pay for. So then you get to the point where then you're actually teaching and you're like, you might not actually know when you sit down to record your videos where they are in their knowledge, like how much background knowledge they know, um, what is e comes easy, like you think you know, but it's a guess. And especially if you're an expert or it's something that is like second nature to you or you did maybe even something you did a long time ago where you forgot what it was like to be a beginner. And so if you pre-record everything, it's really hard for you to meet them where they're at. It doesn't allow you to be flexible and in that guide kind of process. I think the other thing that like people that have never taught before might never think about is taught before in like a, you know, institutional kind of setting. But um, the, the idea that like you should never have all the answers that that actually like doesn't make sense. And mm -hmm. that's where that stage on the stage on the stage thing comes from, too. It's like if you're positioning yourself as like, oh, I know how to do this perfectly and this is exactly what you should do and you're scared about not having the right answers for your students, that's not the way to look. That's like not what teaching is, right? Like you're investigating a subject matter together. Um, you know more. You probably know more than your students. You might be a couple of steps ahead. You might be years ahead. But either way, you're still just guiding them through their own journey. It's not your journey. It's theirs. And so if you haven't had any students enroll and you've never guided someone through in that kind of way, and I'm not saying like, because one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of people turn their one-on-one -on -one work into a course. So like they have guided people, but like in a group setting where there's someone who's, you know, at point A and someone else who's at like point, I don't know, Q. Like you're, and so you're trying to hold this whole group of people that has different levels of understanding. That's the hard part, right? And so mm -hmm. if you're not open to like not being wrong, but like if you're not open to not having all the right answers perfectly, um, again, it makes it really hard to be flexible and meet them where they're at. Right, right. And I think uh, we're using this method, this live teaching method, because uh, not only is that actually the way classrooms work, like in, in the institutions in college and high schools and such, uh, you know, we have online courses, but really most teaching is done in some sort of face-to-face -face environment. Yeah. Um, and there's a big movement to do stuff like flip the classroom where you have pre-recorded yeah. content, but then still everyone comes back together and has conversations about the stuff that, that was watched, not in the classroom, but at home. So you always want to have like an organic conversation in some way in any yes. learning situation. Um, but in this space in particular, it's valuable to do a live version because you want to have the feedback. You want to be able to, as we'll talk about in the next phase, the analyze phase, you want to be able to go back and look at how the teaching went live with your students talking about the content as they encounter it, rather than maybe at the end of your first course, mm. you pre-record all the stuff, put it on a website, someone went through it. At the end, you say, hey, how, hey, how did it go? Um, that's going to be a not valuable answer. They're going to say, yeah, it's nope. great. It's fine. I think I did pretty good. Um, I got kind of stuck in this one part. Cool. That's about as deep as it's going to get. 
Yep. Whereas instead you're in a conversation with people, talking to people as they learn your stuff, then they're really going to help you understand maybe what were some missing pieces, uh, how to improve the course for the next time you launch it. Or maybe you do have pre-recorded stuff at that point. Uh, maybe it's after the third time you do it live. That's fine too. Um, so yeah, I think that the live component, the conversation, that's where the magic happens in your course. Yeah. And we kind of explain that as like intimacy, especially mm-hmm. when it taught it, like that's what makes this a unique learning experience because you mm-hmm. won't, you won't be teaching it live again. You might. And we've had examples of, of, um, people actually, I would say, you know, Amanda Bond is an example where she did kind of run a couple iterations that you could call a beta where mm-hmm. things, parts of the course weren't ready yet because she was literally working out her framework like in real time with her students. Like right. the framework wasn't like the beta process. Here it is. It was like, here's where we're going with it. And then it like got more solidified. And I think she taught it live three times before she mm-hmm. uh, put it in the fourth time. And she's now officially so i think the fourth time she launched it it had videos she's now going into her fifth launch and is planning not launch because it's evergreen right now but like her fifth iteration the final she's calling her final like video like where she's hiring a crew and making it like optimized which is kind of mm-hmm. cool so, from the yeah, whole perspective it, it, it took four versions, four cycles of teaching and reiterating yep. to get something that and she's even happy us, with. like mm-hmm. BBB, right now we're going through a pretty big overhaul for yeah. It's like you could call it the third round, and it's third, like just yeah, exactly. going in deep and like listening to suits again. We're getting a little bit into analyze, but the point being, you're never going to teach it live again. Like even BBB in my phase, we're not teaching it live. I didn't learn where people are getting stuck from doing it live. Well, that's not true. Our Q&A session that we hold every week has brought in Mm -hmm. a lot of we're recognizing where people are asking the same questions. But then it's really heavily dependent on our surveys and stuff, which we'll get into in the next um, episode. But yeah. Well, the analyze phase is all built on the way things are taught. You want to teach in a way that you're open to feedback every step of the way. Yes, yeah. there's no better way than to just literally be there with the students as they go through the content. Um, if you wanted to do it with pre-recorded content, you should have surveys everywhere, which we'll talk about later. But the live teaching, first time through, maybe even second, maybe third, fourth, you want to be there and talk to students and listen to them yeah. and see what their questions are. Everything so far has been really teacher-focused in the value of teaching it live, but that last point that the teacher is there, that you are there as the instructor showing them stuff as they get stuck. You're helping them get past points where you didn't realize they would get stuck. um, And you're able to unstick them immediately because Mm -hmm. you're talking to them. So that's the student's value seeing it as maybe not a pre-recorded polished thing, but it's going to be really organic and they are going to have a lot of input in how the course is run and they're helping you steer the course, the content in a way that's going to help all the students in the course for this early version, this live version. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think it would be important to talk about like how it's just funny to me that this, I think this letter, like this part of our framework (laughs) was the thing that made the framework because for me, Um, It was my realization that, oh, everyone thinks they have to do it this way, but that's actually not helping A, the teacher and B, the student, like the two (laughs) people involved or like, you know, the two as in one student, whatever. But so 
you know, I think when I realized that, oh, even as, right, my, when I jumped into teaching as a sociologist, like, you know, I'm teaching community college and I'm collecting all these syllabi of my colleagues and Googling stuff online and trying to lesson plan and come up with what I was going to teach and pick my textbook and decide my assignments and how I would grade and all this like really intense stuff. And then you go to that first day and you have your first section. I mean, all that preparation, I mean, it got me so far, but there was nothing mm-hmm. like the actual experience of being in front of real human beings where stuff was just flying out the window, right? Like you have right. your lesson, you have your like lecture plan, and then you're like, oh, we went off tangent for 30 minutes here. How do I not do that next time or whatever? And I think mm-hmm. it's that's the thing. It's like you step into who you are as a teacher by actually doing it. So if people think that teaching is just making a video or like 30 videos and just like banging them out, it's like, but you're not though, because you're not reacting to anything in real time Mm -hmm. and adjusting and changing. And so it was just this huge aha moment where I was like, oh my God, everyone's doing it wrong. And I was even literally coaching people and having clients hire me and I was making them do it that way. It took like Mm -hmm two years to realize that I actually already knew exactly how to do this and that all the fear and anxiety around creating a course and all the extra time was something that actually wasn't helping anyone anyways. It wasn't even just about trying to do it faster. It was like, it's literally better for both people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe an analogy, a comparison is imagine writing a speech, like you script the speech, you're ready to get public speaking uh, slots and go and give a, a, a very polished talk. Great. You show up at a cocktail party and you start trying to deliver your speech. It's going to go awful, right? Mm-hmm. The value, the, the like actual, um, what you want to get back from the people around you is in the conversations. It's in the loose yeah. free form, just like, how's it going kind of stuff. Not, you know, walking with note cards into a cocktail party. People are not going to be happy about that. Right. And we all had those conversations where someone seems like they've memorized some like conversational talking points and they just kind of like spitfire one after the other after the other. And you're kind of like, I feel like you've, you've practiced this and it feels weird, right? You just want to have a natural conversation. So, um, that's what this teaching part of this course, uh, your beta phase is all about is just the natural conversations. Yeah. Because that, like, that's what teaching is, is like the back and forth give and take. It's not one way delivery, even though it feels like it's one way delivery. So let me tee something up for you, Lindsay. How are slides used in this phase? Yeah. So like, um, the way I talk about, like, I'm fine if people create slides and, um, you know, we have a BBB like guest expert, Echo Rivera, who literally does that for academics and makes and like explains how to make great like presentations, because many of you know, you've been in courses and classes in the real world that were horrific, like just sitting through slides. So I think it's funny bringing it to this space and being like, people still want to use slides, but it's like really hard to make a really good slide presentation. So (laughs) minus the fact that not a lot of people do it right in the first place. Let's just pretend everyone did it perfectly. Um, It just takes a lot of time. And I think it doesn't make you, again, as flexible. I think it's possible. But in this process where we're trying to, you know, I always say like conserve our money, time, energy, focus, um, because that's the things that are our currencies that we have as entrepreneurs. So when one of your currencies like energy and time and focus is being spent on something like slides that doesn't necessarily provide any better learning experience, you shouldn't do it. 
If you're just trying mm-hmm. to do it to like impress somebody, like make it f- them feel like they spent the amount of money they should have spent on the course, that's not a reason to do it. If you're doing it because um, you're worried about messing up and not knowing what, what your notes are going to say, that's not why you should do it. Um, especially because in a live workshop setting, it's actually better if you're like looking at notes and talking to them and like not having a slide because I think the slide, I say this a lot too, like people hide behind their PowerPoint presentations. And Mm -hmm. since you're not in a live room, you you don't have a podium and you don't have that weird, awkward, like, is she reading notes? In these situations, you can look at your computer and look over and, you know, people don't care. Like they don't care as much as you think. So I always am saying like, why what purpose does your slide serve? And mm-hmm. if you're just like, yeah, for most people, when they made slides, when they were in college or gave a talk somewhere, the purpose it serves is to like distract from not having them look at you. <laughs> and like, and it served as like, mar- like memory markers to remember what to say. If you don't need any of that in this setting, then why have it, especially because it's such a time suck. Um, However, I'm not saying don't ever use a slide or an infographic that we know can help a student conceptualize what's happening. So if you're teaching some sort of flow or like, you know, I think infographics specifically or like maybe an example, if you were teaching students how to make, I don't know, the perfect Facebook post, you'd probably want some screenshots of really awesome ones. That would be Mm -hmm. great, right? But you don't need to make it have transitions and be perfectly Mm -hmm. like, it's just like pull up that picture. theme, right. right. Exactly. So that's how I feel about slides. It's like, it can help you organize your thoughts, but you know, is it really the best use of your time when I already right. know you don't have a lot of time left? Like I'm with <laughs> you on that. Um, and yeah, we, and the way we teach it too, is I want people to really worry about getting their students in, finding the right people. And then like week by week lesson plan, if, mm-hmm. and if you can, you know, only have like two or three hours you know, spending a quarter of that on slides or more is like such a waste. You could be finding better examples or, you know, like running through and practicing if you want or coming up with activities or whatever. That's like a way better use of your time. That's going to have a better Mm -hmm. impact on the students. Yeah. And I think setting the stage for the the way the course is going to run in this live setting, this live environment is really important on that first day. We have an entire lesson in BBB that is focused on the first day, right? Like, what is it supposed to look like? What can you do? Um, How to set the tone for expectations for both their expectations of you and then you as the teacher, what are your expectations for your students? How to convey those things, um, pointing them in in the right direction as the course moves forward. So, yeah, I think think if done correctly, live teaching is absolutely the way to go. For sure. And I think Amanda Bond, as we already brought up earlier, is such a good example of not being so hung up on the process having this like perfect system in place yet that she actually went through iterations of her course and it solidified what was being taught. So even in the T, like in the teaching, you you are going to prep and you're going to be ready. And we're not saying we're not throwing you to the wolves and being like, oh, just like wing it. That's not what we're talking about. There is prep involved. Um, But that recognizing that your framework will probably change your methodology and the thing you teach, the steps, the process, the system will actually get 
better. Um, and even in my course, we did that. I think I called it the beta loop at first. And then I was like, no, 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 it's just, it's the beta steps and it spells beta. Like that's way cooler, right? So it wasn't until we ran it through once that we saw that for Amanda. She um, literally created her um, connect, commit, close model that she now speaks on the stage about all over, like at, at huge marketing conferences. And it came from listening to her students. I remember they even helped her name it. Um, she was talking about that too. So like she was an ads manager for huge accounts, moved lots of money, and she didn't know what the people of the early stages needed to know as they were launching their own things. And so she witnessed them, she coached them through it. And and then we on the back end actually helped her create the modules that came out of that coaching essentially. So she actually took this process of like, yeah, she had a system that she did, but then that system kind of came from an advanced brain, right? <laughs> like she had been doing it a while. So she tried to break it down as much as she could. And then when people got stuck, she was right there to catch them. And then that's when we kind of, you know, made changes, which we'll get about in next time. But, you know, she's made She's clocking in at well over two hundred fifty thousand dollars with this one course, and now she's mm -hmm. um, bringing in a you know just about thirty k a month right now. It's it's you know she also is doing her amazing like social media kind of posting and stuff where it's on Evergreen without even any sort of webinar running, or she's not even spending money on ads, which is funny. But um, every launch she did was very intentional, and um, you know she was very honest with the students about where the course was and. Mm -hmm. um, how she could help them. And now she's at the phase after kind of being in this last iteration for, I think, just about a year. Now she's like, okay, we've helped, you know, hundreds of people go through this. Now it's time to make our last, you know, edits. And and just watching her build a framework through the teaching ha was has been so cool. Right. All iterative. Yeah. And like, I guess I, that also to be said that don't feel like you need to know that it's all perfect right out the gate too. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm teaching it so perfectly and it spells beta and everything's great. And it's like, no, like <laughs> I, it took a couple iterations for me to even get to that. Right. And mm -hmm. then even some of the changes we're making in the back end, it's not anything forward facing like the framework, but like the process we take people through is getting totally tuned up. Based on student feedback, our yep. surveys and Q and A calls and what students have to say. Yep. So that's it, man. Your course is you, your students, and some shit you know. And from there, from that first version of your course, that's where you start really making an impact and not getting it out there and holding yourself back because you think you need all these other things is uh, totally a disservice because it's it's in you and you can go teach right now. Like just, mm -hmm. you know, go through this process, of course. But um, yeah, keep it simple. All right. So next will be the analyze phase where we talk about, all right, you taught live. What do you do next? So uh, stay tuned for the next episode. And of course, we always love some Instagram screenshots. If you tag Lindsay, she'll reshare you uh, at Dr. Lindsay Padilla on Instagram. That's me. Give her a shout out. You can tag me if you want, like tortilla, but <laughs> I will reshare with all my 80 followers or whatever. <laughs> Lindsay's got the big audience. <laughs> so big. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.